everyone, and welcome to the Avunque Siamo Meatball and Pasta Fazul Artist Podcast. I am Mike Fiorito, your host. On our podcast, we talk to Italian-American writers, artists, musicians to learn about their work, what inspires them, and of course, hear about exciting new projects. Welcome, everyone, and please join me in welcoming to today's Meatball and Spaghetti podcast, George Gaida. Uh, George is a professor in the English department at the New York City College of Technology. He's also an accomplished author. He has a short a collection of short stories called The Pope Stories, a collection of essays, spectacle of themselves about Italian-American popular culture and literature, and books of poetry, uh, pugilistic, and another one is called The Sleeping Gulf. And today George is also going to tell us more about uh, works that he has coming out. So please join me in welcoming George Gaida. Thank you. And uh, George Gaida, welcome to the Avunque Siamo Meatball and Spaghetti podcast. Uh, it's great to talk to you. Mike Fiorita, thank you. It's great to be spoken to. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the, the joke between us, uh, you know, when I finally uh, I met you in, uh, in Texas, it sounds like a country song or something, um, that we were joking back and forth because uh, Gaida, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's so, uh, you know, it's anglicized. And uh, I, I asked you if I could call you Guida or Guido, and uh, you, were, you, you let me go along with that without you know, knocking me you, out, and I appreciate that. You totally can, Mike. I've gotten so much worse uh, that that Guido, Guida, Guidi, whatever you want to do, <laughs> something something medieval sounding is is fine with me. Well, what's the worst you've been called? Oh God! Uh, somehow people people come. I mean, there's Gouda and there's Gouda, Gouda but then yeah. people come up with some creative ones where they completely change the morphology of the word, so I become like Goldie or Gerda. <laughs> I've even been Dor- uh, Dordo. Was, Dordo was my favorite. Dordo. Wow. Dordo. That's yeah. far away. Mm. It takes it takes an effort. So, yeah. Yeah, to really corrupt. Please, call me anything. Call, call you Guido. Uh, there you go. Um, but anyway, um, you know, before we talk a little bit about um, your work and some of the things you're working on. Um, I did. I know you and I have a, a special friend uh, um, in common, and uh, we've known Bob Viscusi for a very long time. And yeah. I know Bob's not yeah. feeling well. And, yeah. um, you know, I'd like to, to dedicate this to Bob. And I know in, in different ways we've known him. You know, Bob really was probably one of uh, there was a small group of people that used to read down at the Cornelia. It turns out you were probably in the audience and I didn't know it. And, um, you know, watching Bob read uh, the uh, uh, Columbus poem, you know, I think that was among the first times I, I, I got there saying, you mean people write about this stuff? They write about it, Italian-American, uh, their families, their, their themes that are, you know, specific to, to our culture. And and this yeah. is called literature, and uh, yeah. and I told Bob that you know it was very inspiring to me, um, and over the past few months, uh, especially since I'm you know years I should say now I'm living near him, 
um, it, it, I've tried to convey to him how much his work meant to me. Um, yeah. How did you meet Bob? Well, um, I met Bob as a graduate student. Bob was a professor at uh, Brooklyn College and, and just recently retired, in fact. Yeah. And I was a graduate student at the CUNY Graduate Center, and I wanted to study Italian-American literature. And Bob was the guy, you know, yeah. in the CUNY system. Mm-hmm. And I think it was – I want to say it was Morris Dickstein who put me in touch with him. Um, I could be wrong about that, of course, but <laughs> – yeah. That's my recollection. This is almost 30 years ago. So, uh, yeah, how long I've known Bob, 1992, I would say. And he, uh, he, you know, was working, I think, on the Columbus poem at the time. And, um, you know, looking back on it, his work is pretty monumental. In fact, I had gathered up all his books just yesterday and was looking through them, you know, Buried Caesars and Astoria and mm-hmm. Ellis Island. Um, and, uh, an oration upon the most recent death of Christopher Columbus yeah, and the new geography of time. So he, yeah, I mean, he, you know, he produced uh, five books, I think, and a lot of essays and his influence is great. I was speaking with some other Italian American writers today who know him and, uh, you know, they were getting in touch with him and telling him just, you know, that he was pretty much the preeminent critic of, of his time and certainly preeminent critic of Italian American literature. And I think that's true. Yeah. Very important. Very important. Yeah. And it's, it's funny. So when, when I've told him that and I've said, you've meant so much to me. And then he, uh, you know, he, he would say, well, really? <laughs> and, um, and then he'd ask yeah. me questions and I always felt bad. I always felt, you know, I should, I should be asking you all the questions. Don't ask me all the questions. I should be asking you questions. You're the, the guy with the, the PhD and uh, encyclopedic knowledge and experience. Um, he was he was a he was a great role model for anybody who wants to lead a kind of intellectual life. Um, in that he was perpetually curious mm-hmm. and and encyclopedic in his knowledge, and yet um, self-deprecating and yep. willing to listen to, to just about everybody. He listened to me when I was 25 years old, and he was already, you know, an established scholar in his 50s. Um, and I think he did that with a lot of people. And he, he could be, you know, he could be contentious and combative because I think his mind was just working <laughs> all the time. You know what I mean? He was, he oh, was yeah. always finding the points to talk about. Um, I once asked him, you know, uh, what does it mean? What would it mean if my kid is like half Italian and wanted to become an Italian-American writer? What about those people? And he said, his answer was about the best one I've ever heard. He said, I can't worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and I think what he what he meant obviously was you know that we are we are where we are at our moment in history and identity is what it is at the moment that we're in and we can't change that so we we try to understand it the best we can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it, it's just it's so ironic that you know I saw him re- and we met him at the same time because I moved back to New York about that time ninety two nice. and I met him at the Cornelius Street Cafe. And then I saw him read probably maybe an, an early incarnation of Columbus at um, the New Yorican. And, um, and then I've seen him. He invited me to his awards ceremony, and, uh, which was really great to see. And everyone talking about him and all the other professors. And one of the things they said, it's an English professor, I don't, an English uh, man. And he said, one thing about Bob when I first met him, 
He was the best dressed professor at Brooklyn College. <laughs> um, That's probably true. <laughs> um, but anyway, Bob, this is for you. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's our our, uh, our uh, mentor and, and friend, really. Um, so, George, I had the pleasure of reading um, your, um, you know, crazy collection of uh, the Pope stories. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, uh, but by the way, ha- had you ever, I don't know if we talked about it, had you read The Bad Popes by uh, Chamberlain? The English no. Writer? No, oh, no, 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 uh, no. Tell me. Oh, oh, it's nothing like your stories, but it's it's funny because it's um, it's a, a a history of the really insidious popes, like the crazy popes, and I don't remember all of the the names and well, the, the. I I did have something when I was writing it. You know, the the original story came out of a, a kind of a joke that uh, I I had with my my ex wife about you know what if my parents decided that suddenly to make, you know, that I was the Pope, you know, something like that. <laughs> like I was, I was somehow touched by God, uh, being, being, you know, being next in line to, to be the Pope. What right. would happen? And that, that, yeah, right. Or, or what, you know, and I, I think the original story was basically the premise was what would happen if I accidentally killed the Pope? Right. You know, right. Ac- Which accidentally. Is a- like what was yeah. the title? I mean, the title of that story, and uh, you know, they're so off the wall and crazy and funny, and um, uh, so yeah. It t- tell me, you know, did you did you do a lot of research? Because there's a lot of factual stuff you have in there too. Uh, originally, no. I mean, I wrote that first story as kind of like it was really more about my family or versions of my family um, than it was about the Pope. Per se, the Pope was kind of a vehicle, um, mm-hmm. and I think I think it remained that. It really is like I guess the thing that will be the tribute to the sort of spirit of my family. Um, my mom passed this year, and so um, mm-hmm. it really is the thing that like captures the kind of spirit, the craziness of my own family. But um, I didn't do research until the second story, um, you know, right, which I believe is called "Resurrecting the Pope," if I recall correctly. There's killing the Pope, uh, resurrecting the Pope, and quoting right. the Pope. Um, and uh, so that one I did. I got one of those books. It was a bigger sort of coffee table book. And that, that's sort of odd, the lives of the Pope and kind of a coffee table book. And it's a really unpleasant little coffee table book because it's about all the horrible things that the Popes did <laughs> and, and who they were. Um, so, yeah, I did do some research for that. And uh, it was really fun research, I have to say. And then I got to... You know, after a couple of years, that story was written, I think, in 2005. And then uh, a couple of years later, I decided to work on a play because it seemed to lend itself to that. And we actually it got a stage reading in Brooklyn. And it was really fun to see, yeah. see that, you know, that played out in front of me with other people. Sort of um, <laughs> your, your psychosis or your neurosis on, right. you know, on stage. Yeah. So It's like dreaming or something. Yeah, yeah. And then I thought, well, I should probably go for the trilogy and, I wrote the novella that is uh, the third story called Courting the Pope, which is basically, it's basically a, a, a three stories in which, you know, the, the, the narrator accidentally kills the Pope perhaps, and then is perhaps visited by a vision of the Pope who deems him, who, whose mother, who his mother believes uh, is deeming him the next Pope or sort of you know, designating him the next Pope. And then 
the third story is about the same mother sort of going on a crusade to have the Pope marry him. Right. To his wife. On a beach, by the way. His wife to be on the beach in Florida. The Which Gulf is totally Mexico. crazy. I mean, it's uh, <laughs> absolutely well, nuts. I, um, I did well, marry a Florida Italian, so I never uh, even knew that that, that was possible until I met my wife. So right. there you go. Right. And you must have now, did you make enemies in your family? Like did, you know, with killing the Pope resurrection? Well, I mean, you know, and, you know it's, it's sort of the perpetual dilemma of the writer, as you know, I've read your work. And so I know that, yeah. you know, uh, oh, everybody, hates me now. everybody hates me. So, yeah. Right. And, and, you know, um, actually I was reading Bob's, Bob's novel, Astoria, and he was uh, writing about the same thing and that, you know, essentially, what is Omata? Omata is something designed to reduce you to nothing so that when you break that code, you break out of being nothing. And so it's actually very important for the writer to record the culture through the family. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Even if you bring upon yourself, you know, the calumny <laughs> and right. the disapprobation of all your relatives and friends. But I, I think, you know, the beauty of this is that I think not all of my relatives have read my book. Right. So that's exactly. actually, that's a good thing. <laughs> right. Good. That's exactly. They, they give up, you know, my, most of mine give up at the preface. So, uh, right. you know, except my nephew read, call me Guido. My sister said, you know, he doesn't really read often, but he liked that book. And uh, because it well, was naughty, it had all kinds of naughty references and, you know, uh, well, my, my, my and, father is, uh, my father is reading it now. He's reading your book now and, and, and oh really enjoying it. So there you go. Well, thank you. Thank you. And yeah. and I do – you had other interesting uh, – the imbecile professor, uh, that system, mm-hmm. uh, the hieroglyphics, what, you cannot, right? Um, yeah, you, you can know. You can know, yeah. Oh, not um, cannot, though? So I, well, I thought know, it was you a know, play I, on words. <laughs> it is almost the whole story is sort of a play right. on words. Uh, yeah, um, you know, you can know. It's Yeah, the, the premise is basically that there's this sort of uh, – you know, there's, a, there's this bulldog narrator who is the bulldog of this person who is supposedly this kind of genius who can only express himself in sort of grunts and hieroglyphs and is actually probably just a complete madman who's right. institutionalized and he sort of champions this person and and sort of eventually brings about this person's demise. Um, so that's the, that's the premise. And again, that's sort of comic, but I think very darkly. Um, yeah, I mean, funny enough, book. still, like, it was still, yeah. it was dark, but it's funny. I mean, you're, you're, uh, it's like intellectual comedy, kind of reminded yeah. me of something like Zelig, you know, oh, uh, yeah. you know, kind yeah, of. Yeah, 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 uh, I could see that. This, uh, you know, the search for this, the, the mystery of this uh, uh, legend, kind of, uh, peeling back wow. the, the layers. I will admit to being a big Woody Allen fan, so. Yeah, oh, as am I. We grew up, uh, we grew up under his, uh, you know, in his shadow, uh, you know, among other uh, people, uh, inspirations. Um, and uh, what what inspired the story Rome? Uh, Rome is actually a chapter in in the novel that I've been working on for about, you know, seriously for about five years. Um, my father and his two brothers were all um, cops, and. Uh, you know, I, I think that this idea of seeing things from a cop's point of view, like especially social justice issues, 
Um, that that story originally appeared in J Journal, which is a journal that, that publishes uh, work about social justice. And um, you know, I think it's very interesting because people kind of like these days, especially, divide into camps over you know how we see issues like say Black Lives Matter or um, mm-hmm. you know stop and frisk and things like that. And I think that cops, you know, just like everyone else, have a more complex view than we than most of them do, than we give them credit for. Um, but there is an indoctrination that all of us has one way or another. And when you're a police officer, you certainly have a kind of paramilitary indoctrination. And mm-hmm. I, I try to write that character, that sort of head-busting, you know, er-cop who goes in to deal with the Columbia protesters in 1968, and he's sent in to kind of break it up, chase them out of the buildings. Um, and what happens to him as a result of that kind of um, debilitation that he suffers. And that's yeah. part of the larger arc of the novel, but the, the idea of that story was to kind of give you a psychologically realistic portrait of what it's like to be in the middle of that from the cop's point of view. So. Yeah. And it, it was, uh, you know, it was definitely, it, it jumps out. It's, you know, it's the, the collection coheres, you know, the, the stories belong together, but, um, you know that is uh, that steps out from uh, uh, from oh, the Pope at least the specific stories and keeps it interesting. And I just finished reading Tanahisi Coates. Uh, mm-hmm. um, wow, man! So like just to add on to um, between the world and me, and you know how the cops perceive uh, race, mm-hmm. and it that's a powerful book too. Um, yeah, but, uh, I think that that's. That's something, you know, I, I think one way to sort of deal with the racism that you see in your own culture in, in the form of sort of that kind of thought, um, that kind of biased, bigoted thought is to sort of portray it and to kind of understand mm-hmm. um, the roots of it. And this is something that people like Jennifer Guglielmo have looked into, you know, the, the idea of Italians making themselves white by distancing themselves from darker mm-hmm. people and jumping on that bandwagon an American bandwagon and uh, therefore becoming more, thereby becoming more American. And um, so there's a lot to say, there's a lot to, I think, depict. There's a lot to enact in the, in the, in the actual lived experience of that. You know, it's not mm-hmm. just theoretical. It's, it's right. in people's lives and they deal with these feelings every day. And um, I think all people, you know, we are hardwired to sort of go to our own. Mm-hmm. And, and that's kind of to me being, in some ways, getting into that and not sharing it with other people is being your worst self. And yep. being your best self maybe is sharing it with other people and then learning about their thing, their culture, right? Right. And um, that's, to me, that's the whole project of Italian-American writing. That's why I still sort of consciously do it. I, I, I'm not doing it just for my tribe. You know, it's <laughs> nice to do it for the tribe, but, right. um, Yeah. Right. Yeah, no, I I agree with you, and uh, and it, like your story, Rome, you know, the writing should be dangerous, and it should mm-hmm. it should be a hot potato, and you're probably not being honest if it isn't, and uh, it's you know be honest, put it out there, and that's writing to each other, not just not just to our own tribe, as you said, um, is the only way we're gonna you know, progress through something bigger that connects us all. I think listening to each other, writing to each other, 
and listening, you yeah. know, again, just as much as, uh, as, as speaking to each other. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, do, you, do you consider yourself, I mean, I know you've, you, you, I think when we were talking on the bus, you've done less, uh, you said you're less of a, a short story, less of a prose writer and more of a poet. So would you? I think I'm a better prose writer than I am a poet. And of course, authors are notoriously poor judges <laughs> of their own abilities. Um, I, but I think I, I, it feels more, it comes easier. Let me put it that way. It comes easier for me to write fiction. Hmm. But the poetry just sort of, I think the way my life has always been uh, centered around work, poetry is easier to produce. Hmm. And and I feel more inspired at the moments when I'm writing poems, whereas the fiction feels more like a deliberate campaign and a large canvas that I'm working on over a long period of time. Hmm. So I've tried to be a better poet and learn my craft as well as I can, but I'm not sure. <laughs> I, I don't know how good the poetry is. I do have two more books of poems coming out this year. Now three. I don't know. So, but you know, but I don't know. Not too bad. Not? not too bad, George. By the way. Wow. Well, wow. Well, you know. That's that's impressive. Yeah. That night, there they are. And volume, volume. What would the, the discount dealers just the volume, <laughs> volume, volume? Yeah. Step right up, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> right. Well. Well, what's the background of pugilistic? Uh, 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 um, pugilistic kind of grows out of a very difficult period in my life. When I was uh, 38, my first marriage ended, and I had a really rough couple of years where just adjusting to a new life was a struggle, and then I got remarried, and within the course of a year, less than a year, I had a, adopted a child and moved from the city to the suburbs. And so my life was just in complete turmoil in a lot of ways, even though I have, have had and have a wife that I love. Um, sure. It just took me years, I think, as it probably does most people, to make that sort of adjustment. Mm-hmm. And everything felt like a struggle. And, um, and it turns out that the world around us has changed, you know, leaps and bounds in the last dozen years or so. Mm-hmm. And so I, and a, and a lot of it is social struggle and economic struggle. Um, and so the idea of struggle and just fight and yeah. just don't give up, don't give up the fight because the system is rigged. It's always been rigged. Life is kind of rigged in a way and, and to protest it, you know, it's sort of, um, it's Hamlet, you know, like, you, you, you know, you, how do you protest, you know, what, what, what uh, Gertrude says to Hamlet, how do you protest? about the death of your father is natural. Um, yeah. I think it's Gertrude who says this, you know, the death of fathers is a natural thing. And so the, the procession of society this way is kind of a natural thing. And to, to say, oh, it's so unfair. Well, yeah, it is unfair. Everything's unfair and you have to fight for the little that you can get. And I think right. that that's what that book is about. And it's probably the most, the most combative book that I've written. Um, since then, I think I've gone in different directions, but uh, that's a book. I'm I'm proud of that book. I am. I'm proud of that book. Yeah, well, I I I, I really enjoyed uh, uh, the poems, and there's a you know there's you have different speeds, of, which is which is nice. Uh, you know, uh, sometimes a, a poet's cadence and rhythm can be 
maybe it's the same. It, it, it just it, it it can uh, uh, it can get a little numbing, and so you know you're shocking and surprising and sub- subject oh. matter, and how your right your your delivery, uh, I think kept it interesting. Um, well, can I say one more thing about that book, and then please? I'll let you say whatever you like about it. Um, it's I, I, it's a deliberate attempt too to sort of get away from the eye. Um, mm-hmm. My first couple of books were, you know, especially um, New York and other lovers are, are very much eye books about, in one case, identity, and in the other case, about you know the experience of the city from a, an intimate point of view as a lover. And pugilistic, I really try to give port to, to, to do portraits of other people mm-hmm. um, and other people's struggles for the most part. Um, there's some personal poems in there, but a lot of them are that. Right. Observational. Well, you know, and, uh, you know, I, I encourage people to, uh, where can people find it? Um, it's available in all the online outlets. It's published by WordTech Editions, so it's on their site, too. Um, a couple of my other books are published by Bordigera, which is also online. They can order it. From directly from them, or you know, I hate to, to say the word, dare I say the A word. Um, <laughs> yes. So, yeah. Well, I guess yeah. uh, in, in, if you could, you, you alluded to some things, and you know, in conclusion, if you could tell us, uh, um, you know, tell us about the, the things that you're working on and, uh, and, and give us uh, George Gaida's vision uh, for what, what you. <laughs> What you like? I'm going to laugh. Yeah, no, I always find it. Fun. I mean, you know, although we can all get, we can all sound grandiose at times. Um, us writers, it is funny to me that people take me seriously on any level. So, but th- thank you. <laughs> no, I do, but thank I've you. also read your um, folk stories. So, you know, okay, if you could take someone with a wild imagination and sense of humor. In, in you know we're, we're interested in your ideas and uh, okay so please tell us indulge me all right well um, I, I, like I said I I've pretty much finished four manuscripts two of them will be out for sure one of them is a revised edition of New York and Other Lovers which is kind of um, a valedictory of sequence of poems to New York City and to being in love with New York city and having to leave it and embrace it and let it go in many different ways. And I've added to it so that I think maybe there's a re-embrace. And I I think it's a much improved version of the 2008 volume that came out with Smalls books, uh, which unfortunately went out of print and this new one's coming out from in circle publications up in Maine. And um, then I have a book that I'm really happy with called Zen of pop, which is a sort of Zen exploration of, popular music in specific songs, in specific artists' lives, uh, specific moments. So, you know, the first couple of poems in the book are about Barry Manilow and Abba, you know. I think the wow. first line of the book is, I dream of Barry Manilow singing in German. You know, ich bin mutzig und I write a song. Right, so and we go <laughs> we go from there. Uh, so that's 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 coming out with a with a house called Long Sky Media yeah. in Oakland, and uh, that should be out in June. And then I have another sort of book of um kind of uh, what I call them epigrammatic poems, mm-hmm. um, uh, called All the Photos Never Shot, 
that's uh, been sort of kicking around in manuscript and in my head for a while. And uh, that's out with a couple of houses, and hopefully it will uh, appear maybe later in the year. And then I have a book of uh, linked, linked stories that form kind of a novel called Posts from Suburbia um, about a, a young man uh, who moves to suburbia from the city and sort of it's an examination of suburbia and ethnicity a little bit in suburbia and identity and, uh, you know, the essence of that kind of a, a life. <clears throat> well, that's, that's, and then, and then, and then, yeah. and then wait, there's more. Yeah. You cover a lot <laughs> of more. fields, George. Uh, oh, I don't fields. know, but, but, uh, I've, I've also, um, I've, I'm working on this novel called the uniform, um, about 50 years in the life of uh, a man who becomes a, is a musician who eventually becomes a cop and then an artist, and I'll you know read the reasons for all those changes wow. to people who read the book. And then um, there is a book I've been doing for about six years now, researching about the poetry communities around the U.S. So I've been going to these places and interviewing poets and people involved in these communities and trying to understand the life of poetry and of poetry circles and what role it's playing in our society as kind of an alternative culture. And that's kind mm-hmm. of a scholar, sort of a scholarly project, maybe in the way that a Herbert Asbury book is a scholarly project. Mm. Um, and then I'm, I continue to do interviews with writers and publish those and the occasional scholarly article. I have a piece about Rose Romano, the great Italian American poet that I published with um, a, a magazine called Ingersoll last year. And, uh, I'll continue to do that every once in a while. So there's all that stuff, and I'm, I started a book of, of poems about operas. They sort of interacting with different operas, called wow. Alone at the Opera. So, yeah, hopefully I'll, you know, the health will hold up, and uh, <laughs> I'll yeah. be able to write some of this stuff. That's well, it, you, it, it sounds like you've completed a lot of stuff, and you have things in circulation. I mean, in terms of, yeah. you know, they're either in in line for publication, they're accepted and now going through that uh, cycle or they're kind of on the, the, the on deck uh, waiting to be, you know, finished and polished off. So that's exciting. And that's, that's inspirational. And, and again, I wasn't kidding. You really do cover a lot of field. Um, uh, and uh, you know, that's exciting. Um, can I, can I add, can I add a, can I throw in a plug for something else please. that I'm doing? That, this is, that might, this is all, well, my, it's all for you. This my wife and I have uh, my wife and I are, are sort of moving most of the time to a little town in western New York, and uh, we have opened a cafe there that is also a performance venue, and performances including poetry and literature, readings and other events, and making plays. And so the place is called McFadden's, the McFadden Coffee Company in Danville, mm-hmm. New York, and uh, our first performance is going to be this month. The great poet Joseph Fasano is uh, coming up to read and sing. Wow. And, uh, and we'll go from there. We're, we're looking for poets and writers who also have bands, maybe to bring them out. Mm. Funny, out. I know a guy who does some writing and also plays guitar and sings. Um, so there, there you go. Uh, how okay. far out of New York is it? How far from uh, New York City? Way, way far. No, 300, 300 miles from New York City. <laughs> that's, does that take like seven hours? So, we only, yeah, we we want people who are willing to make a real commitment. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So. No, it sounds it, that sounds fun, and I, you know, uh, let's talk about that. Yeah. Um, George, it was great to have you. It was great to hear and to to live in your world for a while, and uh, 
to read your work, and I encourage other people to go out and read your work. And um, I will say here, thank you very much, and uh, goodbye, but I know that we're going to continue talking, and we have things to talk about um, going forward. So thank you for your time. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And uh, we will put this out. Uh, Abunkwe will make this uh, available uh, to the world uh, shortly. Look forward to it and, and keep up the good work. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Take right, care, Mike. George. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye.